Hey guys, welcome back to ResRoots. Um, this is Kelly, and I have a couple of people here with me, so I'll let them introduce themselves. My name is Will. I'm your guy that has been on the podcast a lot before. Nez Purse and no longer a student. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm still a student. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my name is Michael. Uh, um, Hopi, and I am still a student. Junior, senior. Uh, I don't know what I am. I'm a, I'm a student. Just, just a student. <laughs> yeah, we'll say freshman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And I'm Josh Manning, the brand new guy, which is ironic because I'm the true OG here, right? You all can be my kids. Maybe not, Will. No, I could be. Yeah, so I'm honored to be a part for the first time of Res Roots. Am I, mm-hmm. am I a Res Root now? <laughs> or a Res Rooter? I love it. So I work at IVC. Like, yeah, what do you do? I think yeah. I'm staff still. <laughs> Last time I checked. What do you do? What I do? Yeah. I work with student life, yeah. Lena men, teach a little bit, live in the dream. What is student life? Oh, no. <laughs> Doesn't say he's actually my boss, too. So. <laughs> and I work with Will. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Will was hired to watch me. <laughs> it's covert ops. Yeah. Oh, um, I thought you were going to explain what student life was. <laughs> oh, yeah, you explained it. Oh, student life? Oh, okay. Yes, it's uh, working with um, life of the students. <laughs> wow. No, specifically, specifically with the guys. It's, it's um, true, yeah, it's kind of yeah. true. Working with Will truly in student life with the men specifically and just being there to encourage and, and affirm and exhort when needed, rebuke a little bit. But truth. Truth, Again, grace. With grace. With grace, yes. yes. <clears throat> cool. Totally, Sharing life. No, it's totally off topic. We always thought about having student life doing a podcast. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. That so would be a blast. Man, that would yeah. be like part eight with student <laughs> life. So, uh, <laughs> That's great. Cool. Um, well, I forgot. I, I'm Kelly. I'm still <laughs> Navajo. <laughs> still Navajo. Still Navajo. Um, I'm a senior. So, yeah, cool. Um, so this podcast will be, we wanted to focus more on honor and shame and we will get more into what that is and explaining a book that we are going through, have gone through. Um, it's called the 3D gospel. It, it, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Um, will you want to explain that? (laughs) (laughs) So you're doing really good. So, like, yeah, 3D gospel, it gives you a whole uh, general, like, world perspective of different cultures of how they deal with honor and shame. Like, if you're whoever's listening, can probably really relate to that, especially if you're on a reservation. But there's also other ones, too, as guilt, innocence, uh, power, fear, and then, uh, was there another one? Uh, honor shame. Honor shame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, honor shame. <laughs> but like, I was the reason why I was like, I asked for another one. But Manning was like, you know, when we were at the staff retreat, we came up with one. You remember that one, Manning? It's like, no, you don't. Oh, yeah. I do, but I, um, I don't want to mess it up on you know live yeah. on the air. Yeah, it's true. <clears throat> Keep um, wait a minute. We'll oh, can edit. Wait, wait. Pride, humility, right? Yeah. yeah. Humility, pride. So nice. like, 
It was cool just like uh, just going up, doing like discussing on it over with the staff, you know. So yeah, that's the 3D gospel. Cool. Thanks. Um, so as Will kind of mentioned, the staff, I, I believe you guys read it right over mm-hmm. the summer. Yeah. No? Yeah, we were no. supposed to. We were, were supposed, supposed to. to. Well, I was like, well, so. I didn't know that. Okay, let me, just, let me put that out there. Well, we were all getting to the van. Uh, Leslie, uh, it was funny because I was in the back row by myself. I was like, just by myself. Leslie sat up front and then she like turned around and looked at me. She was all, well, I'm going to go back there and join you. So I was like, oh, okay. So she came back here. And then she's like, and that's when she sat next to me. She's like, did you read the 3D gospel? I was like, well, we're supposed to read it. <laughs> so yeah, we got the emails all looking. I was like, I didn't get it. Oh, oh. No. So, all right. I knew what you guys were going to talk about, though. <clears throat> well, the staff was supposed to read it. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so. Yeah. So from Flag to Prescott, well read. <laughs> the 3D gospel. So, it was the longest trip from Flag to Prescott. Yeah, Leslie, can I borrow your book real quick? Yeah, yeah. so, and then Michael and I, we're in Christ and Culture, which is a class here, and we're we're supposed to read that book. Um, I I believe, Michael, did you read it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. just triggered right now. (laughs) Yeah, so we're actually going through that, too, and um, exploring more of that with different cultures, and it's very interesting. So... I just want to open it up. What what did you guys think about the book, the different cultural dynamics about it and everything? <laughs> Can I borrow your book, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I'll get back to you. Someone else go. Can we go? Yeah, me go? Okay. Yeah. And then Michael. Okay. Um me go. Go. <laughs> Amigo. 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 Chris, speaking of culture, language. Um, Yeah, I think the thing that jumped out to me was just really appreciated the the understanding that there are diverse perspectives on how to perceive sin and and even how to respond to it and obviously the gospel is the ultimate response to sin and so not to just assume that everyone's going to perceive sin and its um uh, and its answer the same way so I, I really did appreciate that there's not this that cookie cutter mentality that a lot of times people are just really good at doing we're good at profiling and generalizing And so just understand that there's different ways to perceive something so, so important as sin and salvation specifically. So yeah, it was, that was good. And, and, and just the three, the three elements too, with honor, shame, innocence, guilt, and power, fear. I thought that was a, a neat, a neat way to, to expand it. A lot of times in my research and, and just time around this stuff, it's been a lot of innocence, guilt, and honor, shame, but not so much the, the power of fear. So yeah, I I appreciated those, those elements in the book. Yeah, I was gonna say like, I know like growing up or like my first few years here at IBC, I've always knew that um, honor shame was the biggest one that I grew up in. But like, I did not know that there was other ones like power, fear, and guilt, innocence. And the more I dug into uh, 
your innocence. I think you you really see that play a lot in in my culture specifically. But I thought it was just interesting though to know that there was these different. I always thought like it's what blew my mind is I always thought it was just native cultures that struggled with this. But it's like it's actually more of a cultural like personal culture like you guys cultures growing up is had difference they had the similar thing or like it all correlates together in some way if that makes sense. Yeah. That's good. <clears throat> I think for me, um, it was seeing that each of these like different um I don't know what you call them, these different I- I- ideas. Um or cultural dynamics like it was seeing each of them throughout the gospel throughout the bible um it was so yeah it's crazy like seeing this aspect of guilt and innocence which is so cultural majority is what that is and then seeing the power of fear aspect of it which um i think they brought up jesus is like miracles and his whole ministry was kind of around that and then him defeating death and then the honor shame aspect of it seeing that in a different light in scripture that was really cool that was really eye-opening for me um yeah <clears throat> mr Polila. i know should have went first uh yeah just guys kind of said kind of what was on on my heart <laughs> Um, um, yeah, just what they were saying. Um, yeah, like Kelly's one of the main things that really popped out to me was just how they were able to use one event, which, uh, in Genesis, uh, basically, uh, the first sin and Adam and Eve, they were able to use that story with all three, uh, dynamics with power, fear, guilt, innocence, honor, shame. Like it's like, uh, what do you call it? Um, Presenting just that story, that gospel, yeah, the story of that, and from three different perspectives. And for me, like how I saw it was um, the one that I gravitated towards more was the the power fear one, and it it really made sense to me. And I was like, oh, like oh, okay, like now now I understand it. But since the one thing I am not is uh, uh, I believe it's guilt innocence. I think. Yeah, so like re- reading it from that kind of viewpoint, I was like, oh, like it makes sense, <laughs> but yeah, it, just, it didn't really have the same impact. And I think that's really cool about this this book, which is basically like you you get to look through all three uh, viewpoints of it, and you're able to just understand how different culture or different groups of people see it, depending on what you were kind of raised up in. And I think that was actually really cool. Uh, another thing in it was. Um, um, another thing in it too was that not only did it show you about the what do you call it? how do I want to say this um it shows you how kind of things went down for your culture type but it also shows you how you can um what is like have salvation or be redeemed through each culture type because <laughs> we understand like you know power fear and I don't know I think we'll go more into it later on in the little episode thing. But yeah, so it just, it shows you how to come back from that. It doesn't just say like, oh, this is how you fail. <laughs> but it also shows from each culture type how you can redeem yourself. 
and I think that was also really cool because, you know, it, it provided, it showed a problem, but it also showed the solution. So, yeah, that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I actually had wow. to read, I, I, I read wow. that book. I write that down. I, I had to use that book twice for two different classes, which was Man's Sin of Salvation. I had to read that book and then do a thorough observation on it. Then I had to come back to it for Christ and Culture. So I, I read that book probably like, eight seven times <laughs> and it's only four chapters so it's it's a pretty small book but it's highly it's really dense or whatever really, you want to say really in depth yeah it's really in depth <laughs> it's in depth and i am also in depth <laughs> <laughs> anyway carry on <laughs> cool um thank you guys for sharing my next question was about and we kind of alluded to it but what what type of culture dynamic do you think you guys grew up in um, and where you come from? And I think that this isn't like a definitive answer either. It's a very, uh, it could be a mess of it. Um, Combination, I should say a combination of which one you grew up in and you guys can elaborate on that too. So wait, I didn't go. Oh, right. Kelly. Oh, not bad. KJ. I just realized that I'll, I'll do next one. It's okay. So make up for it. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's twice. <laughs> Extra long answers. Yeah, I think for me it's more of a honor shame, uh, but you can kind of see uh, power fear in there. Uh, honor shame. So like growing up though, like uh, not too down talk or. Belittle anyone that is in the longhouse, but growing up in there, I was in most people's and other people's. In other words, I was you know next up to take on the lead of because it was my grandpa, my dad, and then it was gonna be me after my dad because I was gone since I was a little kid all the way up till I was like seventeen, and. There was a lot of people that really, you know, respected me there, you know, really was really like loving, caring for me when I was there. But as soon as, you know, I came to, you know, just made the decision to follow follow the Lord and to go on a different path, man, there was so much, so much shame. And I was just like, man, what the heck? So, and then the power of fear too is people growing up and the the leadership, the authority over me. You know, people take really huge pride, pride, humility. You know, see, it's like people take huge pride of their their titles and um, or the the strict way of like you gotta do things my way. You. You're doing it here. You're, I'm in the, I'm officiating, so therefore you're doing how I do it. Saying whenever it's your turn to officiate, we'll do it your way. But now we're doing our way first. You know, so I don't know if that really made sense, but yeah. For me, so I like what Kelly said because <clears throat> it's not a one size fits all question or answer. Um, and so, like culturally, so I am not native. I'm as white as you can be. Well, I have. Well, never mind. 
this is audio. There's no visual. So, um, but, I, but yeah, white and raised very white, um, majority society. And so culturally for me, innocence guilt would, would definitely have been the thing, um, elevated as the primary, uh, perspective on, on dealing with these sin issues and salvation and, um, and so kind of like be the, um, kind of the master, master of your own destiny, um, kind of look out for number one, um, and even in good ways, even within the church or within, um, spiritual things, kind of take care of yourself and everything else will work out. Um, so that was very much a part of the church culture that I grew up in and the majority society. But I like even how the book um, focuses on the difference between the, he calls it, Jason Georges calls it the groupality that I just mentioned that I grew up in, in Southern California. <clears throat> and that's even different, right? SoCal versus Chicago or straight out of Compton or wherever, you know, or Window Rock, Arizona, Navajo Nation. Um, it, it's, it's <laughs> God can bring good out of Gallup. Every place, right, is going to have its own version of one of these culture types. And uh, so that being said, within that, though, the personality has that same dynamic where I found going through this book and, and other resources, too. I got to be in a lot of cross-cultural situations in my life, which I'm so blessed, um, so blessed by. I've found that actually my personality is very different than my groupality, like the author says. So I, I tend to be way more honor shame in my personality. And I, I never knew that growing up, but now looking back, I can see that a lot of issues that I had or even, even successes had a lot to do with preferring in my personality honor shame. So I would, I would be motivated much more by what I thought people thought about me than anything else. Um, I used to think I was just a perfectionist and as long as I felt perfect, that's all that mattered. That was my kind of my individualistic innocence guilt perspective. But I think actually coming to IBC and working within, well, talk about later overseas, but also in a native context, I'm like, wow, I can really relate with way more people than I should here because of the honor shame connection. And that's my personality. I really do care a lot about what other people think. And that's, yes, that's bad, but there's also good in that too. I think it's helped me be a part of a community that can look very different. Um, which, so there, there's good and bad, bad in every one of them, but I, I really appreciate having to look at the difference between my culture growing up in terms of its my location and then my personality. So yeah, it was really helpful. Um, so for me, I I feel like home culture, home-wise, it was very honor-shame-driven. Um and then I, th I think I grew up in church, like going to church and whatever, but I feel like that was more a power fear dynamic. And then, um, it, <laughs> it was very, it was, it was both actually, you know, power fear and then honor shame. I, um, I think it's, it, it really um, influenced how, firstly, how I saw myself and then um, kind of how I, I 
I lived day-to-day life and I think we can all share share that and I feel like for native culture and I I, I speak for Josh too um, <laughs> honorary native <laughs> um, but really a majority of <laughs> a reality <laughs> a reality of, of native culture and majority of it is honor shame uh, based off of it for me I, I think it was it was interesting because I got to talk to um, one of the girls about this of how like in I feel like for my part of the res <laughs> um Navajo Nation res um on the east east side um <laughs> I I felt like it was more uh yeah there was power of fear but I feel like the communal aspect of the culture was more on our shame so it, it you know you 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 have the gossip and I think for me like my family was the the gossip you know the gossip will we were in it often and I've I've I felt a lot of shame um from my family and I didn't that's what I didn't want to do was bring my own family shame even more shame which I thought um and there was still a lot of power fear in it um I'll get more into that later. Um, go ahead, Michael. Nah, you could have kept going. Um, so for me, wait. Um, yeah, we'll just do it at the end. Um, so for me, it's more, I guess, kind of all three, but not like, I guess not like uh Altogether, at the same time, I would say it's uh, more. So it will start from my people. Hey, my people. <laughs> it will start from my people. <laughs> so I'm I'm Hopi. So we are really, really traditional. So yeah, from my tribe to my family, and then I guess to myself. So from my tribe, we're basically fear power. You know, we we do a lot of ceremonial stuff, and a lot of that's like you know because there's that fear in that that if we don't do certain things, bad things will come. If if you do something, like, bad, you know, then you're going to, you know, upset the balance of, you know, I guess good and evil. And then, yeah, so it, it's, it, there's a lot of things you got to watch out for. Uh, a lot of things you got to do. There's a lot of ceremonies and stuff involved um, just throughout the year. So that's that's basically, yeah, my tribe and the the people I grew up in. So in terms of my family, I would say it's also a little bit of power fear, but it's more so uh, guilt innocence. Um, I remember doing a lot of things. And so with guilt innocence, it's kind of like your morals, ethics kind of thing, what's right and what's wrong. And it's since my family was the big influence of what's right and what's wrong, it's it was in their eyes on things that it would do and perceive as right and wrong. <laughs> so whenever I would do something bad, yeah, like it's, I would, it would eat away at me. Like I just felt guilty and like, oh man, like I didn't, I like, I just, I just felt bad. And some, and so I have to go like apologize or I have to like make it right. And so like, and what made it hard too is because like I tried to stay out of like bad situations for a, a while and that created like, you know, a lot of 
my family members see me as, uh, they say a golden child. <laughs> I was really innocent, um, stuff like that, but, uh, I, I wasn't. <laughs> so now in a more of my personal self, I think for me, I would, f- I would say the more honor shame, it's because my family put a lot of pressure on me and I, I did, I did well in school and, uh, my siblings and all stuff like look up to me and stuff like that. And so that created that dynamic of honor shame within myself because I, I wanted to do things that brought, you know, pride or brought um, honor <laughs> to not only myself, but my family and stuff. And that's, that's where the golden child came. And it was really hard because like, I, I remember so many times, like I cannot live up to that expectation with people around me. And it was in high school where I just had a little rebellious phase where I was doing so good in like my athletics and schoolwork and everything. And then one day I just, you know, I don't, I don't even care no more. Uh, my grades started dropping and a lot of the teachers and stuff started talking to me like, what's going on? Are you okay? There's like stuff going on. I'm like, nah, I just simply don't care. <laughs> and basically, cause I remember it was in some grade. I don't know what grade I had straight A's for a while and I got my first C and, I remember the disappointment so many family members face and in my mind I was like it's just a C but they're like in their eyes you know I was like making their family I was making my family proud and you know, I was bringing a lot of honor and people would talk about me like hey like you know all my cousins are naughty and stuff and but the one person they can talk proudly about is me because I'm doing such so well in life I guess and so like I saw the disappointment on them and then it made me feel like oh like maybe I did mess up and then, like, I tried applying myself more into school and to work and stuff like that. And it just, I, I cannot keep up with what people thought of me in that, uh, I guess, honorable way, whatever. And so, like, I just, yeah, I just set my expectations of people, like, low. Like, I, I, I do things so people's expectations of me are low. So I don't have, to, like, the disappointment's not more in something that, oh, he messed up and, and that's that's okay. So, yeah, and then it, it just carried on from that. It, but it messed up my GPA in high school. But I was okay with it. I didn't really care about that, grades and stuff. But, yeah, I think that was where, in a more personal viewpoint, yeah, I would see myself as the honest shame and just feeling the shame of not being able to live up to people's expectations sometimes. And, yeah, I, I don't know where to end this segment. But, yeah, it's, yeah, try family me (laughs) people my people (laughs) all right so first culture guilt innocence these cultures are individual i can't even say that individualistic societies mostly western where people who break the laws are guilty and seek justice or forgiveness to recidify a wrong number two is shame honor Culture, shame, honor, cultures describe collective. These are some big words. <laughs> Collectivistic. Am I saying it? Yeah. Cultures uh, common in the East where people are ashamed for feeling, for fulfilling group expectations, seek to restore their honor before the community. Number three is fear power. Cultures refers to anim- animistic contexts. Where people afraid of evil and harm pursue power over the spirit world through magical rituals. Yeah. 
So you want to go more in depth of it, or just that's go for it? it. It's a, that was some hard reading <laughs> for me. So. Um, I'll do Power Fear since that's, I'm most familiar with that one. Okay, so yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> no, in a, in a power fear culture, it's basically in fear-based cultures, it is, in, it is not important to genuinely believe in certain truths or follow ethical standards. Rather, practices that placate the spiritual powers define acceptable human behavior. The focus is upon arbitra- arbitrary <laughs> techniques for appeasing and manip- manipulating the unseen powers to act in your favor. So it's, yeah, that fear of i don't know like tribal shamans and caribbean voodoo practitioners and the influence of like brazilian businessmen praying to a saint or a washington politician consulting an astrologer (laughs) um yeah so there's a lot that kind of goes into fire fear power um it doesn't normally go so with uh like Native American or indigenous people per se, but you know, it's, it's a cultural thing as they mentioned earlier. Um, you know, a lot of people do use things to ward off like evil spirits, you know, amulets, like, um, like what do you call them? I don't want to say trinkets, <laughs> um, just objects that they, you know, have like, I guess a positive to ward off the negative. <laughs> Yeah, charms and stuff like that, or just like certain things they do, like uh, almost like a, um, not a, like a, yeah, ceremonies, rituals, but also like um, things they do every day. It's like almost a pattern for them, so that way it keeps the bad things away. Um, what else do we have? Um, I, th- I think. Yeah, it goes really deep, so yeah, I just want to... Just read the yeah. whole book. <laughs> so just have a, Copyright. Download an audio file. No, anybody story time with Uncle anybody Michael. Uncle Michael. Mm. <laughs> Tio Michael. <laughs> My dad's name is uh, Michael, too. And so like, oh. his name, people call him Mike. But then since he actually has like nieces and nephews, so they call him Taha Mike. <laughs> so sometimes they people, people call great. me that, too. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, what are we doing? Um, Reread. Just explaining more on like the one of the types. Yeah, I did power <clears throat> fear, and I guess you can pick. Hmm. I guess explaining. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, since I am uh, the the uh, Western Western culture representative here. <laughs> Even though I can't relate as much, ironically, but I will go ahead and read this from Guilt Innocence Cultures. The author quotes C.S. Lewis and says, integrity is doing the right thing even when nobody is looking. That's a classic quote and concept behind a guilt innocence perspective on right and wrong, like Michael is mentioning in Power Fear. The notions of right and wrong are foundational pillars in guilt innocence cultures. Society creates rules and laws to identify what actions are right and wrong. These rules and laws define acceptable behavior. A mature person knows right and wrong. She is a law-abiding citizen. Doing right keeps one innocent. Doing wrong makes one guilty. 
Governments, corporations, schools, and even families establish rules to guide social behavior and expect those rules to apply to all people. Nobody is above the law. Society expects blindfolded lady justice to always judge impartially. This is really important too. later on in the page, down the page, this is page 17 in the book, um, in case you're reading along, <laughs> moral, moral responsibility in guilt, innocent, innocence cultures comes from within. Moral responsibility comes from within. That's really key. So you don't gain your idea of right and wrong from anyone else. And like I was saying before, my personal um, perspective on right and wrong was much more honor shame, cared much more about what other people thought, cared about the community naturally. My Western society, though, says that the community doesn't matter as much as my individual conscience. So if I, if I feel bad about something, that determines something to be right, right or wrong. Um, if I feel good or bad about something, it determines it to be right or wrong. It doesn't really matter what the community says about it. And, uh, and I think this is interesting. I, I was thinking of an example um, going overseas and I think even being within a native context these last several years, it's very, and I think I saw it more overseas just because you had like governments that were in these power, shame and honor, um, sorry, honor, shame, power, fear cultures, these governments would set up laws and, um, you know, rules and regulations like traffic laws. And I always remember other expats, other like Westerners typically in those countries, because it was in a country with laws, like a lo the law of the land and let's say traffic laws, it always shocked other expats. Like why, why do people break laws so easily? Like, why is it not a bigger deal? And I think in a Western society, it makes a lot of sense to have clear cut laws because you're expected to be like guilty or innocent on your own based on if you break the law of the land or not, right? It's, it's on you. But in these, these other countries, even though there were laws, if people weren't looking or if there wasn't, there wasn't shame associated with breaking that law, it didn't matter as much because that's not how they viewed breaking the law it was actually breaking relationships that would have mattered more. So that was really fascinating. Like it, it made sense at first why like other expats would be questioning that. But later on, I'm like, wow, you really can't though, because you're trying to fit a very like innocence guilt system of government into a place that doesn't even recognize right and wrong in the same way. And so it was like, no wonder it's kind of a mess sometimes, not a mess. It's not a mess in the culture, but when you try to fit these these perspectives of right and wrong together. No wonder it's confusing. So I was, I don't know if that makes sense, but that was really I don't know, cool years ago to see that. And this, this study, this book reminded me of that. Just, yeah. So innocence, guilt. It's a wrap. <laughs> Do honor shame, Kelly. Yeah. There was something here. Ah, okay. Um, so yeah. So, for honor and shame, I think like a majority of us have at least some aspect of that in in us. Um, but for honor and shame, like it's very communal, com communally, communal based. Um, the community kind of has a really huge factor in essentially your worth. Um, 
and there's in the book they have uh, tables, and there's one like for you know honor, shame, guilt, innocence, power, fear, and there was one table in here. It was guilt, innocence. It had, um, it was talking about mistakes. Uh, and that was kind of what sold it into me because like of, okay, this is, <laughs> this is where I fall. Um, hold on. Intermission. Just kidding. <laughs> where is it? Commercial break. Commercial break. Sponsored by me. <laughs> <laughs> Please. Sponsored by well, she's looking for that. A good example, mm-hmm. like I can remember for Honor Shame is uh, the Disney movie. I think it's Disney or the movie Milan. Mm-hmm. So have you guys ever seen that? Like that's a good example of Honor Shame. Hmm. Dang, Michael. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, really my childhood? No. That's <laughs> good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyways, I can't find it, but it had an example, like, how do you answer this question coming from each culture? It was, oh, I made a mistake. Um, the guilt innocence had, I think it was, I don't know, or correct me if I'm wrong. It was kind of to the alluding to like, I made a mistake. A wrong, I guess, type thing. And then power of fear was kind of, shoot. I don't know. Like, I need to fix this or something. But the one, the honor shame, that's what stuck with me, was I am a mistake because that's really where a lot of your identity comes from. And I was like, oof, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> so that that was really what resonated with me in the honor shame and how we even view ourselves. And that, that leads into my next question of, how do you, how, and we kind of answered this, but how do you guys see which we answered the dynamic we kind of come from? How do you guys see um, that played out throughout your life, your decisions, making decisions, um, and just kind of your day to day life? If you do see that, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a good question. And now I have to sort through my my uh, bipolar uh, <laughs> cultural perspective, right? Because I have two dimensions here. I'm trying to go between. Honestly, it's it is it's a really good question because I feel like it will be different based on different phases of my life when I knew I was gravitating toward one dimension over another. Um, I'll go because I kind of already thought about yeah, this. No, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, that's I kind of threw that on you guys. Um, but I think for me. Uh, I didn't really grow up traditional, but I still had a lot of influence from that side. Kind of, you know, you don't do this, you don't do that. If you do, you got to do this. A plus B equals, you know, you're good, you're tight. Um, And then with the honor shame aspect of it, it was more of, if I fail, that makes me, a, I am that failure. So everything has to be, copacetic because I have to have the approval and I have to bring honor (laughs) honor to my family um and I still I'm a I'm a people pleaser so I can see 
that kind of stem from that too, of wanting people's approval, of wanting that affirmation, of pushing myself to <laughs> not be a failure. Um, and I, I brought this up in a paper I think I did last year, but with the power of fear side of it, I, I think Will and I were driving somewhere. I can't remember what we were doing. And a coyote had run out. <laughs> I laugh about it now. The coyote ran out in the middle of the road. And I had, you know, in Navajo culture, whenever a coyote runs out, you're kind of supposed to pull aside and do whatever to to combat that. <laughs> um, if not, you know, it's basically bad luck. Uh, so I still have that fear throughout throughout my day throughout my week sometimes of oh shoot you know this happened how do I you know I gotta do this or how do I fix it um but Will reminded me he was like you know you're covered by the blood of Jesus like that and I was like oh my gosh no and it was just kind of like this slap (laughs) slap in the face of like that's so true you know that I don't have to be afraid and that is so, uh, that is entirely what Navajo culture is steeped in is fear, power and fear. So much fear. You walk around and everything you do, it's, and I'm just, I'm speaking from my own personal experience, but that's how I, I gauged it. And it's a, it's a struggle sometimes, you know, you grow up and you're told these things and it, it becomes your life. And it's hard not to unlearn these those types of things. Um, so that yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah, I got one now. Thanks, Kelly. <clears throat> Thanks for breaking the ice. That's actually very yeah, that's very helpful. So, growing up, <clears throat> my my home culture, I think being in that innocence guilt perspective, um, and again, it's kind of merging with the honor shame too on a personal level. But I remember. In high school, junior, senior year, all my friends were going to college and they all knew what they wanted to do. And, um, and I remember, I remember feeling really, really lost because I didn't know what to do. So part of it was honor shame, I guess, the fact that I wanted to go to school because success meant looking like my friends in that way. And I just put a lot of pressure on myself in that way. I had no idea if they were holding that over me or not. But I, but I remember, I remember internally though, on the innocence guilt side, being so guilty that I wasn't like, what was wrong with me? Like, I didn't see it as, as honor, shame at the time I cared about what they were doing, but then I took it in and, and then transported it into this innocence guilt perspective where I was like, man, what, yeah, what's wrong with me that I can't make a decision or I don't know what I'm doing in my life. Cause remember like the individual, trumps everything else. Um, that's the most important. And as an individual, I just, I didn't know. And, and I, and I didn't know it was okay to not know. Like I just, I didn't let myself go there and there was so much stress. And I felt like as a perfectionist on top of that, just mold over it. There was a lot of just, again, a lot of guilt, like, God, what did I, what did I do wrong as a, as, as a believer in a Christian home? I assumed that there was something wrong with me for not being able to make that decision on my own. Um, I even felt, I remember now even feeling guilty about having to compare to somebody else. I'm like, man, if I was really strong, 
in my culture, my Western culture would say, I would, again, be the captain of my own destiny. I just do it. Well, I didn't know what to do. I was terrified. So it was, it was kind of two of those perspectives together, the two dimensions. But, um, but I remember being really handicapped, like crippled, felt really emotionally, mentally crippled for that last year or two in high school and even the year after. Um, so anyways, that's what comes to my mind. I think I hadn't thought about that before now. Yeah, it's, it's funny because I was like, when he asked that, I was thinking of like, what is it like being in Little Caesars mm. of that honor shame or is it guilt innocence? Because mm. um, mm. I think for me, it's because I became a manager and I run my own shifts now, which is crazy to think about. I.B. Caesar. <laughs> yeah, a little I.B. Caesar. Um, I think, yeah, just looking back at it, like, uh, I wasn't really like at first you know I was like oh, I can do it you know and then when the day finally came I'm like oh, okay this is actually a lot I don't know why it is it feels so much different than when I had the title <laughs> you know um, it, it was it was crazy cause like you know I fall I still fall under that whole shame and honor like I don't want to mess this up. Like, I don't want to make a mistake. I want to do everything the best that I'm able to do. And then, but I yet have never really, I'm just thinking of Little Caesars, but (laughs) still got to think and process through that. But uh, I think even outside daily, though, I still fall under the whole honor shame, you know, to be really honest and transparent is, you know, becoming staff. You know, I talk with Manning a lot about this, a lot about the transition over student to staff. Because, you know, as a freshman or even sophomore or whatever, like you first come in, you see the staff. Like these guys are the elite, you know, the holier, the Dows, you know, <laughs> the perfects, you know, the perfects. And they was like, these guys got it all down, you know. And uh, the more, like, I got to know them outside, you know, being at the staff retreat. And I think you know, it was funny because, like, at the staff retreat, I was so, like, what do you call it? So flabbergasted. I don't know. <laughs> really shocked that, <laughs> that. I was talking to all the staff, and we were not talking about IVC at all. We were, other than our little breakout sessions, but outside of that, yeah, like you know, they were talking politics, they were <laughs> talking like sports and all these other things. I was like, man, I was like, yeah, in and, in and out, yeah, in and out, yeah, um, yeah. yes, yeah, in and out, yeah, <laughs> men, yeah, but. I think, but like, so all that to say, like, being a student, you know, you're being a student here at ABC, us staff, we serve the students, you know, we want to be there for the students. And as, you know, being a student, you feel the, the intentionality from the staff and you're kind of, I would say like, not on a pedestal, but like, you know, you're, you're obviously a, a focus, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think for me, as I 
kind of went out from that now and now I'm serving you guys. I think it's been, it's been the culture shock, you know, and I think for me as being a staff, like, okay, I feel like I'm, I'm afraid to fail too, but knowing that I'm still free to fail, not going to be defined by my failures, um, they, you know, they wouldn't be quick to, like, oh, you fell, you can get out of here and go, you know, shame, you know, shame, but they, they still continue, especially, you know, my coworkers, Annie, Kareen, and Tina, they still walk alongside me and encourage me to, and uplift me too, so, but still, I, I think still day to day, I still fall under the whole honor shame. Oh. Oh. Yeah, what about you, Michael? Any Mongolians listening? Yes. That's hard. I need It's agreement. It's oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you open up a soda. How about you, Michael? What's up? Um, I mean, I. I don't know. I, I think I kind of, kind of answered it already. Um, but yeah, I guess now since I moved away from the res, city boy, <laughs> moved, <laughs> I moved away from the res, so like I have no longer have that that power fear dynamic thing going on. Um, I think more so now that it's living here in Flag. Um, I guess yeah, the more so of the honor shame. Uh, for me, just mainly that uh, I I still go out to the res and stuff, and I still have like family members who are always excited to see me, and, and they're always excited to know what I'm doing and proud of me, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you're you're going far and all that stuff, and you're you know you're doing a good job." And a couple of times, you know, they said you're you're making your your family proud and stuff like that. I'm like, ah, so it's like now it's like pressure for me is like, what if I drop out of college? Like, what if I go back to doing whatever and yeah and because I, I did leave for like two years and I think some of that did amount to like that kind of sort of guilt and shame like I just I don't know like I felt like I failed it was only my first year here but eventually I came back <clears throat> um but yeah I think yeah a lot of a lot of decisions I think I do now was heavily <laughs> on a shame uh things that I do how like what can I do for my family and stuff? And since I'm family oriented, I, I do a lot of stuff for my siblings and <clears throat> I try to make sure that what I do is going to, you know, I guess uplift them. And then plus they look up to me. Um, I'm like the second oldest, but I have an older sister sometimes. Like, like I'm like an older brother. <laughs> and then that's, that's kind of hard too. Cause like I, I, sometimes I don't have all the answers and I feel like, yeah, the shame of like, Oh, I don't, I don't know. I, I I generally do not know where to go or what steps to take or stuff like that. And I don't know how to handle some situations. So I'm like, I'm, I just stay silent. <laughs> and I think that's, yeah, hard. Um, yeah, and I think I do know that living like this kind of does inf- influence my younger or even just my siblings. Um so like I forgot to mention like when I was talking before, but like uh, in high school, uh, it was a, it was I think a really big uh, honor shame, or not honor shame, um, 
Oh, dude, what do I want to call it? Yeah, I'll just call it that. There was a big honor shame thing dynamic going on because, like, my older sister, <laughs> she didn't do so well in school. And because of that, the, my, the teacher's perspective on me were pretty low. <clears throat> and then when I went through, I did so well that my younger sister who went, she, I remember she told me one time, she was like, you made high school hard. And I was like, how? And she was like, you did so well that the expectations of teacher on me was set at a, a level that she could not, I guess, match or, you know. And I was like, dang, like, I didn't really think about that. Like, I was so focused on, like, trying to, like, redo what my older sister did. And then when my younger sister went through, yeah, she kind of bombed. And I think, yeah, she just felt the effects of, like, what I was trying to do because I overshadow some of my siblings and even some family members, cousins, because, like, I'm the only one that turned out all right. <laughs> and so, like, there's a lot of, like, yeah, honor in that that they, I guess, give them give me or something i'm not sure but yeah but now like as a christian i would say yeah there's a lot of honor shame going on in my life uh just decision decisions i'm making and just the things i do and how i can best i guess represent not myself my family and also here ibc and if i were to do something to mess it up i think great shame would come before me so um yeah i i think that answers your question <laughs> yeah thank you guys for sharing um this kind of goes into my next question too how how has this these your own personal um cultural aspect how has that shaped your view on god or of god if it i mean it could be two separate starts too like before believer and then becoming a believer, like kind of starting out and then even like even your journey now, like what does that look like? I think guilt innocence. Uh, that makes sense. Uh, like and it's on one of the pages in the book where it talks about what guilt and how people approach the gospel in these type of cultures and go innocence was something along with like something along with like sacrificing Jesus sacrificed it all for you you know therefore believe in him you know, I can't explain it it's in the book it's on page 57 <laughs> I remember it <laughs> oh really is it 57 yeah 56 well, or 57 um So God's intention, guilt, innocence was God loves you, offers a wonderful plan for our life. And then the human the human problem, people are sinful and condemned by sin or condemned by God. And then Jesus Christ or the solution of Jesus, Jesus Christ is the perfect sacrifice for your sins. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then our salvific I can't say big word. <laughs> Response is you must receive Jesus as your personal savior. So I, in a ways, that's how I came to know God. And I always looked at him that way. And I thought that was who he is, you know, who makes you feel guilty, you know, <laughs> those kind of things. But 
But now I and the, how he how do he looks at us or how we look at him now is is so that's a deep question. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, to be really honest, I don't know how to answer that one, but the other one, I, I just knew that's how I came to know the Lord, was through guilt-innocent culture of Jesus should be your personal Savior, but I don't really see him shaming or condemning anybody. Uh, I know that he honors obedience, he honors faithfulness, those kind of things, but... So, yeah, that all makes sense. Yeah, uh, no, and I, I, yeah. I don't expect you guys to yeah. to answer yeah. these, and I don't. I'm I'm still processing through it, but I just thank you for sharing. Well, because I think uh, I don't, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I I had come to Christ in in that same kind of guilt innocence. It was brought to me in that way, and I was like, wow, that's cool. And as I was going through that. I that was a, that was the first time I had ever really seen the honor shame aspect of it, and I'm not gonna lie, I did start crying because it spoke so deeply to me, where guilt and innocence barely scraped the surface, and I came to God, I came to Christ with so much shame. Um, that I just, I seriously just didn't know what else to do. And hearing it in such a way that God restores that shame and takes it on himself, man, is so powerful. And it has verses for each um, cultural, like guilt, innocence, power, fear, and honor, shame. It has a verse, key, key verses for each one. And gosh, yeah, it's, it was just so so moving to me. Um, it, it got deeper. <laughs> it reached deeper for me than mm -hmm. the guilt innocence. Good, not saying that it's better, but for me, it spoke. It, mm -hmm. it spoke volumes <laughs> than the, that one. Mm -hmm. So, and that's really cool. I, I appreciate you saying that, Kelly, because I think it makes sense why the gospel would be presented in a predominantly innocence guilt way like to will's point is as, as well um, because it is typically the majority society way of thinking and processing through right and wrong and sin and salvation but to see that yeah that might speak to some which okay makes sense that that that's why it gravitated to majority society which is what the church belongs to mm -hmm. <clears throat> but also why each of these speak to us at different levels based on our our, our dimension <clears throat> Um, our dimension of viewing right and wrong <clears throat> and God's provision for it, his salvation from it. And uh, so, yeah, that's really, that's really cool. I think that's powerful. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just was looking at this too, because I, I don't know, are you going to have us read just as an example? Like the, the, that was a good idea. Like with the passages that reflect, yeah, is that okay? <clears throat> 
because even in the book, um, he does a good job from the very beginning look at it, looking at Ephesians as the, the richness of God's grace, but it's expressed um, in, in at least three different ways that answer these three perspectives on, on uh, sin and, and how salvation is, is multifaceted and, and really like it deals with sin completely from all these different cultural perspectives. And um, 1-7, Ephesians 1-7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, in our law-breakingness. But I think that idea of forgiveness, right, that, that's innocence, guilt. It's that I was guilty and now I'm made innocent, I'm made right, declared right, that idea of justification. Shame, honor, <clears throat> Um, chapter one of Ephesians verse five, you are no longer foreigners, excuse me, in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. And then actually one that I love the verse right after that. Um, this is, this is one that God spoke to my heart after becoming a Christian and getting into my like sanctification, my Christian life at a deeper level from an, an honor shame perspective. Verse six says, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. And that's like, I mean, that's honor shame, right? I mean, it's like God, the father views me like his own son, Jesus, like there's no difference. Like that's spoke. and again, like I came to Christ through an innocence guilt message as well. But later on in my Christian life to hear that that's a part of the gospel mm -hmm. too. Like that's just as much a part of his grace that like, yeah, I'm innocent, but then I'm right. And because he's made me right before him, like he can only see, he can only see his son when he sees me. Like there's just as much love. And in fact, it, the only way that it'd be possible for me to be separated from that acceptance is if Jesus himself could be separated from that acceptance mm -hmm. that his father has for him. That just blows me away. Mm -hmm. Like that we're on the same level in that, in that favor, in that grace. And I just, in that acceptance, that acceptance is like my word on my, on my, my gravestone. I want to, I want to accept it on there. That's a powerful mm -hmm. word. And uh, so, mm -hmm. so there's honor, shame and how Paul references honor, shame being, um, being a part of the gospel, uh, gospel message. And then fear power, uh, chapter one, verses 19 and through 21, that power, that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the, this right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Yeah. And it goes on. There's, there's so many references. So it's so cool to see that these, authors or books of scripture that man recognizes different elements of sin, innocence, shame, and fear, but also the remedy, the answer, like Michael said, the solution to the problem is also fully orbed. It's three-dimensional. You, you have, you have innocence, you have honor and you have power that is only in Christ. And I just, wow, that's so cool. How has your cultural dynamic dynamics influenced how you view God that was my cultural dynamics. or viewed God? It can be either. Like my culture? 
So you had power fear, right? Yeah. Power fear with a mix of others. How did that influence your view on God? Oh, um... If and it's okay if you don't have an answer, I, I get it. Uh, see if I can be like, like three seconds. Okay. Um, well, I was thinking, and I thought of uh, Romans eight one and two, where he talks about you're set free in the law of Christ. You're no longer condemned. I'm paraphrasing it, but. Something that I always go to is when the shame comes or feeling down or feeling those kind of things is knowing that we're not defined by the failures or the shame mm -hmm. that has happened in our past. So, yeah, Romans 8, 1, 2 is my anchor verse. Mm -hmm. So I want that on my tombstone. <laughs> okay, I have, I know we're getting pretty lengthy, but I have one more question. It's for Manning. Um, you oh. mentioned you were overseas, so I'm not going to steal your thunder, but um, <laughs> Gee, do thanks. a brief explanation of where you served, how you served, and where you served, what did you perceive as the cultural dynamic, hmm. majority of it? That's good. So it was Mongolia, long time ago, <laughs> over a decade ago now. Um, we're there for parts of five years, and we were actually blessed to get to work with Mongolian coworkers primarily. Uh, we had more Mongolian teammates than we did uh, Western teammates, which was the whole point, and it was incredible. I went to to give my wife and I went to give and to teach some things, but and and God did that through us. But there was a lot more learning and getting that we did, which I still to this day like like recall those lessons he taught us there that I'll never forget. So I am indebted to the Mongolian church and those believing partners, coworkers that we had there. Super thankful. So we were working with, with indigenous church there, Mongolian church. And um, yeah, and wanted to see them trained up and equipped so that they were not only leading their own churches, which they were, but actually help get them into places that, Americans, especially white Americans, could not get to in northern China and other places around Asia. So, um, yeah, anyways, it was really, it was really cool, really amazing work. So what was the, oh, yes, so cultural, cultural perspective. Yeah, Mongolia was really unique because it was, it was definitely honor shame. And you'd assume that as an Asian geographic location, but they actually had way more uh, power of fear than I think we expected. So um, as an example, like of the two merging together, these two dimensions. So Tuesdays, you weren't allowed to travel because it was cursed. It was an unlucky day. And so to appease the spirits, you didn't travel or do business on Tuesday. So all the shops, the traditional shops would shut down and the city was almost dead in comparison to the rest of the week, the capital city where we lived. Um, same thing like when you take a trip, uh, when you take a trip into the countryside, you come to these things called awas and their altars and they're there for the, the, the spirits of that, that region. And to appease them, you'd have to go around those awas, those piles of rocks and offerings three times clockwise. <clears throat> and that again was like very much power, um, power fear generated. But interestingly enough, when you go to the market, like my favorite place is to go, it's called the black market. That's what we called it. It's called Nadatolzach and it means black, like the color 
actually that that means that means Sunray Market. Why was it black? Why did we call it black? I forget now. Anyways, Kelly knows. Not in Tulsa. Yeah, I don't remember why we called it black. It wasn't like under you know under the table black market, but we joked about it because that's what Westerners thought. So we'd go to the market though, and it was like this this like flea market. It was huge. It was like um, square miles of shops and vendors, and it was amazing for language and culture. It was my favorite place, and there was almost no other whiteies there, so it was like amazing. <laughs> <clears throat> But with that, it was it was so incredible to see culture because the honor shame part came into play when somebody would shoplift, which was really easy. The shopkeepers, would, especially the females, don't mess with the Mongolian Mongolian female man, especially at the shop. She would like she'd notice someone swiped an item, and she would go in the middle of the the walkway with all the, the all the people, all the 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 busyness and the bustle, and uh, and start screaming at the person to shame the one that lifted whatever was was gone from her shop and just totally humiliate him. And usually if it was a man, it was even worse. Like she would just let him have it. So it was very much like a tool for, yeah, retribution, use shame to humiliate. And so I thought, wow, that's really crazy. I saw both at play. So anyways, that was, yeah, that was kind of the example of those, those two were very strong um, in Mongolia. So. Um, thank you guys for listening. If, if you listen this far, I know this is a long one, but catch you next time. Right, see you guys later. Bye. Thanks. Thanks, man. Thanks guys. Thanks, Thanks guys for having Thanks, me. How fun. Oh. Thanks Kelly. Thanks for hosting. Oh. You're the hostess with the most. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you better yeah, keep that on there too. <laughs> <laughs> a whole lot of thankfulness going on. Over here. All right. See you guys. <laughs>